Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to week 10 of the college football season. It's the Take the Points College Football Podcast. I'm Tom. I'm here with Dan and Ryan Remote from Arizona. I'm going to throw it right to uh, Mr. Dan Partridge for reflections on last week, week nine of college football. We had some wild games, but as a degenerate gambler, we're all degenerate gamblers, but you are the number one original degenerate gambler. I want your take first and foremost on Clemson, Florida State. Thanks, Tom. Well, it seems like we have something like that happen once every couple of years, if not every year in college football, but uh, due to too many laterals and some sloppiness, both the over-under and the game spread uh, changed hands on the last play of the game. Terrible beat if you had the under in Florida State. Great beat if you're an idiot and took a, a Clemson in the over. The Clemson overhook should never come in, and uh, it did on a miracle. So I feel bad for anyone on the wrong side of that. Um, let's see what else. Michigan State with a thrilling win over Michigan. Somehow that was like the most entertaining Big Ten game I've seen in a long time. Uh, hats off to Mel Tucker, everyone. Nice to see Harbaugh lose. Uh, your Penn State Nittany Lions held tight with Ohio State. That was a pretty easy cover. Um, and Iowa lost by 20 points again. So pretty wild day in the Big Ten. Outside of that, the only other news and notes was <clears throat> Pat Narduzzi. As discussed on Take the Points last week, just when you think the Panthers have it under control, always be careful because Pat, has been known to lose a game he's not supposed to, and that's exactly what happened. The Panthers somehow gave up 38 to a freshman quarterback in Miami and blew the game. So uh, sad times. You know, Kenny Pickett threw for like 500 yards. Um, yeah, I hear people are like, oh, this is the end of Kenny Pickett's Heisman campaign. I, I want to say absolutely not. Not even a speed bump. He played excellent. I know. Completely ridiculous. Um, but yeah wild week in college football. It was fantastic. Yeah, that, uh, man, the Clemson, Florida state one's the one that stands out from a gambling perspective. It reminded me if you can recall, it must be 10 years at this point, but, uh, there was a Northwestern Ohio state game where a cover came in on the last play on a similar type play. And I still remember it. And, uh, this was, you know, if you had Florida state, it might've been the worst beat in 10 years in a decade. So sorry to anyone who had that, but, uh, we persist. And, uh, the good thing about college football is there's always a new week and a chance to get it back. So just go double on all the games this week. Ryan, any thoughts before we get into the lines? No, I mean, Dan covered the, the big news, the big games, no, you know, real upsets besides that. Uh, so, you know, decent week, some fun games, but, uh, you know, nothing too memorable. All right. Well, we have a lot of important things to cover. Uh, we have probably the most important coaches restaurant segment of the whole year coming up. We have a council of elders segment coming up our hot new segment. Will there be a tarmac report from Mr. Ryan Spillett? TBD, but, uh, there's so much to talk about. So, uh, I'm going to kick it over to Dan right now. Let's do some lines, Danny. All right, Tom, here we go. This is week number 10 already. This season is absolutely flying by. We're into November. We're into the last real month, the college football season. We got crazy fucking matching during the week with the 100 points being scored. And uh, there was some great matching on, on Tuesday. I don't know if you guys caught any of it, but uh, like a 52-49, a 31-25 game, 42-30 yesterday, 52-47 yesterday. It never fails. It really was the best thing on TV by far on Tuesday and Wednesday. There's no reason to watch any like network TV shows or any other random sports. Just watch the Mac Tuesday, Wednesday. It's better than anything else. Yes, it, de- it definitely beats NCIS Minneapolis or whatever the hell's on mm-hmm. Tuesday nights these days. Right. Uh, All right, we're going to jump right into the weekend. We're going to go Saturday morning, Missouri at Georgia. Georgia lane 39, total 59 and a half. Missouri 0-8 against the spread, worst defense in the SEC, and it looks like their quarterback also is going to be out for this game. 
Uh, 39 is a lot of points to lay in any SEC game, but th- this is very similar to me of like the Ohio State Indiana game where Georgia is going to score in the high 50s on their own. And uh, I'm thinking a Georgia overhook would not be surprised if it's 63 to 6. Um, you guys got anything to add for this one? Oh, see, I, I thought you were going in the other direction. I'm, I'm going with uh, what we call the Utah window of a Georgia huge line and an under Georgia 56 to three. Ooh, you guys are so close. 45, nothing Bulldogs need another shutout. They're due. Excellent performance by Georgia last week against Florida. We, we all agree that Missouri scoring three points max, right? Uh, I'm going to go six. Six is their max. They're not get to seven. I'm going to bet field the team goals total under. Two field goals or, or a missed two-point conversion late in the game? Missed two-point conversion in the fourth quarter against the fifth-string Georgia defense. All right. So let's, I mean, let's look at some prop bets for uh, Missouri team totals and see what that is. And maybe, I'm guessing it's probably slightly higher than six. Eight and a half. Hold maybe? it up right now. Just give me a second here. I'm on it. Um, if they have the, if they have the, like, choose your, choose your adventure type bets, I would take a Missouri between three to six points. All total under seven. Yeah. I'll take Missouri team total. It is right now at nine and a half. (laughs) Get get out of here. Under. That's wow. three scores for that. Also, can we just talk about what the head coach of Florida, Mr. Mullen, was saying to the media this week that he doesn't really care about recruiting? Did you hear any about this? So they're like, you know, coach, you're sitting at four and four is that we need to get like, you know, uh, improved players here. He's like, well, I'm not really worried about recruiting. I only focus on recruiting um, in the off season. Once the season starts, I I just focus on all the players I have and coaching football games. I don't really look at recruits. Uh, that's not good. And I'm going to go ahead and say he's going to be on the tarmac report for 2022 because Florida can't be a 500 football team. And the quality of players that are getting in under him aren't as good as even under Jim McElwain. He had better talent. I think that's pretty clear at this point. Uh, so Mullen is about to hit the fucking road real soon. Maybe he'll make it soon. We don't know. The tarmac is always a surprise, even to me and Dan. We have no idea when it's coming, who's going to be on it. Ryan, he runs a tight ship. It is very fluid. He can pop in at any point. All you, right. Also, you may change it in your head game. as we do this. I don't even know. Maybe maybe the gears are always turning. It's like that, uh, you know, Zach Galifianakis math scene. <laughs> very true. All right, moving on. Um, also 9 a.m., we got Wake Forest, Tom Z's favorite team, uh, at North Carolina. North Carolina minus two and a half, being a home team, even though they're four and four. Total 76 and a half. Wake Forest, only team in the country to score more than 35 points in every single game. They also give up a billion points. They go 56 to Army recently, which is almost impossible to do. Uh, Z, why don't you start this one? So, Okay. Thank you. I want to start this with a question to the two of you. I would like to come up with a name and and come up with a take the points branded name for a specific type of game, which is, and these will mostly be ACC teams, but it happens in the big 10 as well. The PAC 12 has their moment sometime, but it's the team that is kind of, you know, not a traditional powerhouse comes into the limelight for having a good season or a big win streak or a Heisman caliber quarterback starts to get noticed by the national media and then immediately loses a game. They should win. Pitt did this exactly last week and uh, wake forest is next up in the queue. They have played pretty well. They've beat a lot of teams in really close games. They can afford a loss because you know, they're doing, I think they're going to win the ACC. Um, I can't even pretend to keep the division straight. The Atlantic, maybe? The Coastal? Those both mean, those both mean the same thing, by the way. It should be like, you know, Coastal and Inland or something. But anyway, 
you know, Pitt just did the same thing. They're going to do the same thing as Pitt. They've got UNC, NC State, Clemson, BC remaining, and they're not winning all those. So I think they're a very likely candidate to lose this week. And if they win this week, I'm absolutely betting against them when they play NC State next week. So uh, I'd be very careful, very careful. I agree with you, Tom. Uh, I, I think this word comes to an end for them. I like North Carolina to win and cover. Ryan, you got anything? Just the over. That's that's. I don't really know. I think it's a coin flip, but I think it's the over. That's probably right. Any thoughts? On, any thoughts on a name for this type of scenario? Mm. When the team, the, the Jimbo Fisher complex, the Fisher complex. <laughs> when the when the somewhat unknown team eventually comes into the national spotlight and then immediately turns around and loses. Well, Very I good. mean. That's not the unknown part, but like AM always gets ranked up to like number five. Their quarterback's putting up numbers and they always choke a game to like Kansas State, you know, or, or something like that, or Mississippi State. And uh and then that's that. But I don't know. I'm trying to think of like Can we can we use some alliteration like the the Fisher Fall or the Jimbo what rhymes with or what starts with J? We'll think about this. Let's get back to this one next week because there's always another candidate on the chopping block. Kellen Moore syndrome. <laughs> the, Kel- right. the Kellen crash with a K. Um, okay, moving on. Also early game, we got Hugh Freeze. We got the Hugh Freeze revenge game this week. His Liberty, whatever the hell the mascot is, at Ole Miss. Ole Miss laying nine and a half, total 67. This is a very interesting game. You got Hugh Freeze back in Ole Miss. You got um, the quarterback for Liberty trying to put some NFL tape together. He's had kind of a mediocre year, but this is his national spotlight game. Ole Miss has a ton of injuries. All three of their top wide receivers might miss this game. Um, Matt Crow is also banged up, and they also lost their uh, – their number one offensive tackle last week for the year to injury. Ole Miss really, really unlucky this year with injuries. It's holding back their offense. Ole Miss hasn't been scoring a lot of points. And if you had the over in the Auburn-Ole Miss game like I did last week, you're upset to see that a total of six points were scored in the second half by Auburn and Ole Miss after a 48-point first half. Three points for each team. Um, This is an interesting game. Liberty plus nine and a half intriguing to me uh i'm gonna take a flyer on it and say they can keep it close um i also like the under 67 in this game i don't think ole miss scores as many points as people think anymore and their defense is still an sec defense and i think their offense is really banged up so i'm gonna try a liberty under hook in this game and uh probably close my eyes and don't watch writing any thoughts on this one with hugh and leak and matt corral well, I can tell you there's going to be some really happy call girls in Oxford getting some, getting some business from an old friendly John they haven't seen in a while. Uh, but outside of that, uh, I mean, like you said, I mean, Lane said that nine of his 11 starters on offense are on the injury report this week and limited in some capacity. So it's kind of hard to bet this game. I still think that when it comes down to it, SEC athletes are SEC athletes for a reason. And so if I've had to pick a side, I'd still take Ole Miss and, and, you know, lay the nine and a half. Lane loves a good backdoor. He's got a little urban Meyer in him, you know, up, up 13. And he's like, Oh, we got two more in us. There's three minutes left. Yeah, I'm I'm, true. I'm kind of on I'm on board I think with the under for the reasons you said Dan. Hugh Freeze is definitely a, a um I'm immunized guy, right? Like like Aaron Rodgers. That's right. I think you're right. 100%. All right. He's at liberty. Third protected. I'm I'm immunized. Classic move. Aaron Rodgers Holistic by the medicine. way, that was I mean, he did the R Kelly defense where he's like define underage. It's like, there's certain questions where 
if the answer should just be no, and if the answer is anything but no, or or a straight up yes, like if you ask someone, are you vaccinated? And they say anything besides yes, then it's a no, right? For future reference, if they say I'm immunized, they say like, I've, you know, received the treatment or whatever it is. Like if they say anything besides just the word yes, let's just assume that's a no going forward. Yeah. If they, or, I have antibodies. Yeah. That's uh, a no. That's great. Great. All right. Just a point of okay, reference. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> Very true. All right. Moving on. Um, I don't really care about the point spread and total in this game. I just want to talk about two things. We got Illinois at Minnesota. First of all, as predicted last week on Take the Points, the block of the year did come in. Rutgers covered and beat Illinois. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and secondly, um, Minnesota just ex- extended P.J. Fleck. I wanted to get your take on that, Tom. They're 6-2, and two, even though they lost to uh, Bowling Green earlier this year in their rank. Was extending him the right move? Yes. I mean, I, I think so. Seven years might be a little extreme, but I don't think they're in a position to get anyone better. And he's he's flown a little under the radar because they got off to a really bad start this year, but they've turned it around and they've been okay. Um, they're, they're actually like, um, it's hard to believe, but they're actually like leading or I think tied for the lead of the Big Ten West. Like there is a legitimate chance that this Minnesota team might be Ohio state or Michigan state's opponent in the big 10 championship game. And who would have thought that, you know, three weeks into the season. So I think he does a good job. I mean, his, the big test of him will be recruiting because he did a great job when he first came in, but obviously those aren't his guys. And he kind of got lucky with, you know, a couple NFL caliber um, receivers uh, Tanner Morgan, who proved to be a pretty capable quarterback. And then um, Muhammad, a good running back who now is injured. But, you know, can he like continually bring in players of NFL caliber? And that's something we won't know for a few years. Um, but to me, you're not getting anyone better up at Minnesota right now. So, yes, it's the right move. Um, but it doesn't mean that they're going to like go out and win the big 10 in a couple of years, if that makes sense. It's a good move because the alternative is the competitor he's going against this weekend. And that would be <laughs> Mr. Brett Bilemma. And yeah. I think, I think speaking of coaches and contracts, I think this is a good time to jump into a tarmac report. There we go. Very good. nice. All right. I knew I was going to talk about this game for a reason. Very good. That's, that's right. I was uh, I was waiting for an in, and this is a great in. We're going to get to Mr. Bilemma, but we're going to have to wait a little bit. Because at number five, down in the state of Florida, Butch... Butch, you're you're terrible. You're one in seven now. You're just you're in a state that's so loaded with talent, and all these other teams in your state are putting like good records, winning records, and you're just one in seven and useless, like out of your element. You got to go. Can I say that I Number love? F- I, hang on before you go on. I love that Butch is now just a one name, like Cher or Brittany. You know. Yes, yep. but I do have to. I do have to distinguish because there's two terrible butches. And well, uh, as you recall, a few weeks ago we decided we would merge them into one person. That's fine because Butch Jones was was not on the list, but he'll be back. He's taking a week off because at number four we have down in Durham, Cutcliffe. Oh man. This is going to be a great Kenny Pickett Heisman revival week when they go down to Duke and he throws for 500 yards against that pathetic team. Like, I don't care if you have a history as a quarterback guru, your defense is unbearably bad. Like it's time to go. You're just, you're old, you're out of touch. You can't recruit. Yeah. I, I love Cutcliffe as you know, and I defend him 
for all the good he's done, but um, you're, you know, so that we can skip this game later on your prediction on Pitt Dukes, a hundred percent correct. They're going to dominate. And I'm, I'm saying 600 yards. That's probably, probably accurate too. There's a great prop for this week, folks over Kenny Pickett passing yards. It'll only be like three thirty at max online and you he's going to go for over 500. Yep. So that's another alt line opportunity. Speaking of alt lines, anything that Tulane is getting, it's not enough points because they're atrocious. You are again in a, you might not be a traditional power like FIU is not a traditional power, but you are in a talent rich area. You have LSU, ULM, ULL. Well, now they're just UL. All these teams are all good, like to have talent. And you're sitting there at one in seven, Willie Fritz. Like, I'm sorry. If you're Butch, Willie, come on, guys. Like, you're just bound to be awful coaches. Like, change your name to William Fritz. Will. But you're like a 68-year-old <laughs> man going by Willie. You're right. I mean, there are, there are two Butches, right? And I can only think of two Willies. And if we're 0 for 4. Yeah. Willy Wonka. Like, the cursed when name. You get, when you get to a certain age, you just have to switch it up and be like, I'm William Fritz now. William, William Taggart. <laughs> you know, Will Taggart. You know, like that's much better. Dude, you got to make a call because I feel like you're you're onto something here. Willie. Oh. <laughs> and what is Butch short for? Is that is that a God-given name or is, is Butch like a nickname for something? Looking it up. Continue. Because maybe he could Who just knows? be Bill. Bill Jones. Bill Jones That's and William right, Taggart. Uh, coming in at number two, out in Huskerland, Scott Frost. Oh, man. So Purdue <laughs> gets the big win a couple weeks ago. They, they get the big win. Then they choke like we all knew they would to Wisconsin. And you're like, oh, that's it for Purdue. They got their one win of the year. And then they go into Lincoln and beat Nebraska. Like, come on, Frost. It's You're getting close to rock bottom here. You just let Purdue come into your house and beat you. And coming in at number one, speaking of letting teams come in and beat you after a big win, Bilemma, we kept you off the list last week because you're a big Penn State victory. And then you let Shiano come in with his Paul Bunyan axe in true Big Ten style and chop the shit out of your awful squad. Oh, God, that was so bad. 14 points, and they were, like, barely even competent football points. So, like, my God. Again, we're seeing Minnesota getting talent, getting ranked. We're seeing Penn State, I Ohio State, Wisconsin's back ranked. Iowa's back ranked, barely. Like, my God, you're just awful. And you're sitting there with Chicago and, and all this talent and you just can't do anything. You blame your players. You're a dick. Go back to golden corral. You're done. Very nice. I want to just say for Scott Frost, we got a uh, commercial flight waiting for you. Middle seat to Bradley airport. Come on over to Yukon and be the next coach. We're ready. It's for coming. You. I know it's bad. It's coming too. All right, Dan, what do you want to do next? I want to talk about the real name of Mr. Butch Jones, which is Lyle, Lyle Allen Jones, Jr. That's That's way better. Do that. That's like a country (laughs) singer. That's like an old school country singer. Lyle Allen Jones. That's amazing. That's like a country singer who drinks a whole bottle of whiskey and then punches a dude like mid song. Yes. 
Okay, um, going back to the lines here, you touched on it briefly. Pitt at Duke. Just want to mention that the team total for Pitt this week is 42 and a half. Take all your money and put it just on that bet because it's going way over. By the way, first half, uh, Pitt team total is 21 and a half. I think they got 21 coming at the end of the first quarter in this game. Uh, so I'm going to bet them both. Those will be my largest two bets of the whole week, I'm pretty sure. All right, we're going to scroll down, get through some of the nonsense. Do you want to hear Ron? The- hang on, hang on. Sorry to interrupt, but do you want to hear Butch Davis's full name? Please. It is Paul Hilton Butch Davis Jr. So how what the would- fuck is wrong with these guys? What is what is Butch? <laughs> it's just the generic name you go with when you don't want to use your full name. Like one guy's so like Jr. Could use that. It could be like. Is it a, it's a junior? Butch Zaleznak. Like, we can do that? Is that allowed? Is well, it a junior? Both, both of them are juniors, so that's why. They had to have a nickname because both of them are, are juniors. So we have Butch Partridge. That's right. Yeah, that's right, Dan. You're a junior. Butch. All right, I'm going to start calling Butch. you Butch. At the, <laughs> at the golf course, every time you tee off from now Butch. on... You're going to get a great shot, Butch. Really That's crush fine. that down the fairway. Love it. Embrace it. Wait a second. Oh, All right. Now I'm on babynames.com. What is the meaning of the name Butch? The name Butch is primarily a gender neutral name of American origin that means manly. Originally a name for butcher. And that's All right, so it's neutral. short for butcher. So butch is short for butcher. Butcher Davis. This is more of like an urban dictionary esque version of the word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm going to do some research. You guys talk about some Pac-12 games or some Big 12 games. I could just do some research and hang back. Unfortunately, <laughs> Tom, we're going right back to your wheelhouse. Big Ten. Michigan State travels to Purdue. This is your Vegas knows what the fuck's going on line of the week right here. Undefeated Michigan State travels to Purdue. Michigan State minus 14. Oh, no, never mind. I say 14. Three. Three points. Uh, Purdue with 16 wins in program history as an unranked team over a top five team, by the way. 16. Um, However, I think that this is not going to happen this time. I think everyone's onto it now, and Michigan State's aware of it, and they're going to take care of business. Um, in a sloppy game. But uh, that being said, I'm not touching this one. Tom, you got anything on this one? I'm glad you said that because I 100% agree with it, what you exactly just said. Um, Purdue got theirs already. They got their one against Iowa. They got Michigan State this week and they got Ohio State next week. So uh, I think they're going to get cooked by both of those teams. But don't you worry, Michigan <laughs> State's loss is coming. Most likely. <laughs> All right, we're going to go on real quick. Uh, Let's let's go to Cincinnati, who hosts Tulsa. Number six, Cincinnati now. Laying 22.5 points, total 55. Tulsa's three and five. They're not that good this year. This is uh, an easy Cincinnati bet in my mind. Uh, Luke Fickle has worked at Ohio State and understands how this works in November. If you need to jump from six to four, need to beat teams by 100 points, expect Cincinnati to keep the throttle down, starters in the whole game, full playbook, go for the jugular. I like Cincinnati and the over in this game. I see Cincinnati scoring more than the total themselves. I'm betting Cincinnati, Cincinnati team total, and the over all in this game. Ryan, you got anything to add? I do, because as we know, with the, these committees, they like to look at like opponents, right, when comparing these teams. So Cincinnati is playing Tulsa. Tulsa played Ohio State week three. That was 41-20 to 20 Ohio State, which means Cincinnati – has to way outperform a 41 to 20 win. So the committee looks at it and goes, similar opponents, holy shit, they beat them 63 to six. 
uh-huh. and Ohio State only beat them 41 to 20. That's pretty impressive. So I think, again, Fickle knows he's an Ohio State guy. He's an urban guy. He knows how this works. So go ahead and just book that, that they're going to win by way more than Ohio State won. And that was only 21-point win. So 22 and a half is a joke. Yep. That's a really, really, really great point. That's an outstanding point. Everything points to Cincinnati laying the wood this week and having to. And if they're really going to make the playoff, they're going to beat this team. They're going to score 50 points on their own. So team total and Cincinnati, I can't stress that enough. They're probably the two best bets of the whole week. Um, another sneaky wager this week. we got Navy traveling to Notre Dame. Notre Dame minus 21, total 47 and a half. Uh, going back, if you look at this, Navy's actually scored a decent amount of points on Notre Dame over the past like eight meetings. They always score 17, 20, 28, 22, 24. And the total of this game is only 47 and a half. Uh, Notre Dame tweaked their offense a month ago, and since then they're averaging like 38 points a game. I love the over in this game. It's only 47 and a half. I think Notre Dame wins this game something like 38 to 20 or something like that. But uh, another one of my favorite bets of the week is the over in this game. That's all I really want to say about that. All right, let's continue on. We're going to the SEC. Not, you know, I think it's time to stop fucking around here. Uh, Auburn at AM. AM minus four and a half, total 49 and a half. Uh, Auburn coming off the Ole Miss game. AM, I have no clue what they've been doing, but they're six and two somehow. AM has looked terrible all year except for Alabama, but you look up. They're six and two and rank 14. Jimbo is the sneakiest bastard in all of college football and knows how to finish ninth better than anyone else. So I, I believe they just beat Missouri by a, you know, moderate number, 20 points or something like that. Sounds about right. And then I think they had a buy in there and then two games ago was Alabama. That makes sense. Z, do you have any thoughts on this game? Uh, yeah, I mean, you guys tell me what Vegas is seeing that I'm not seeing. Cause I think Auburn's an outright better team than Texas A&M. Uh, it's yeah. because home field it's, we've talked about this in years past. Typically it's three, but certain stadiums it's more A&M 100%. This is a, this is on a neutral. This is a pick them, but I think they actually get four and a half for home field because their stadium is so nutso. All right. I mean, that makes sense to me, but if you're giving me five points against the, with the, um, what seems to be the better coach, I mean, Ryan, you can weigh in on that, but I like what Hartson's done down there. The team with more consistency throughout the season with the better run game, a quarterback who, you know, both quarterbacks are similar. They run around and they can make plays or they can make big errors. So I feel like that's a, a toss-up in that position. Auburn's got the the better line play and run game. So I'll take them. Give me the points. Yep. Auburn money uh, line for me. Uh, Auburn's only played two uh, teams with very good defenses, Penn State and Georgia. They're averaging 15 points a game in those two. A&M, uh, very shady offense as well. I'm going to take the under 49 and a half in this game and hope for a low scoring slop fest in the SEC. All right. We're going to keep going down um, real quick. Wisconsin at Rutgers total 37 and a half Z is it possible to take it over? Wisconsin Rutgers. Yeah, they could get there. I mean, they're not going to go way over, but they could get like 39. <laughs> Wisconsin's so just, you got to be careful because the big 10 just as we um, just described with Texas A&M, there's a couple teams that are sneaky, like Minnesota, we talked about earlier. Wisconsin's one of them. They're much better than they were the last time anyone paid attention to Wisconsin, which was probably a month ago. They've, you know, they've improved. So be careful, I guess, is what I would say. I would stay away from this one personally. All right. Another and final important 3:30 game to talk about. Line makes no sense. Colorado State goes on the road to Wyoming. Colorado State laying three and a half at three and five against the four and four Wyoming team. Uh, keep this one short. Steve Adazio cannot be trusted. He cannot be trusted in Wyoming. Give me the three and a half at home with Wyoming to, if not win outright, cover this game. 
Z, do you have any thoughts on this? I do. First off, quick aside, um, the fact that uh, the over-under for this game is 41 and the Big Ten is coming in, um, I, I think this is the third week in the row the Big Ten is at a game under 40 with an over-under. So uh, that doesn't bode well for the Big Ten. But I don't care about this game. Let's get to something much more important, Dan, which is that our uh, greatest famed beloved segment, Coach's Restaurant. We do it every week, but we teased it last week and we're ready to go to the pinnacle. Steve Adazio, the coach we love to talk about. And uh, we are finally putting him into our famous segment, Coach's Restaurant. Um, For those who haven't listened before, what this is, is we pick a coach, usually one who may be unemployed shortly. And uh, we try to help them with their next step in their career path after they're done with coaching. We think the natural transition is from coaching to running a restaurant. And we try to pick what restaurant would be right for this coach. So Dan, if Steve Adazio, if Steve Adazio loses his job and has to manage a restaurant, what restaurant is he qualified to manage? Thanks, Tom. This is a hard decision. Uh, you know, I want to make sure I made the right decision for Steve Adazio, someone who can't coach, someone who needs help, someone who can't stand on his own and needs to partner with somebody. Therefore, he'd be the restaurant manager at Long John Silver's. <laughs> now, the reason <laughs> behind this is that all Long John Silver's are now connected to a Taco Bell, where the Taco Bell holds down the fort and they just have the long john shit in the corner. If somebody comes in and wants the fish, they throw it in the, in the fryer real quick and they get it out to you. Much like Steve Adazio cannot stand alone as a head coach anymore. He needs to go the Alabama rehab route of Steve Sarkeesian, Lane Kiffin, Bill O'Brien, uh, Greg Shianu. I feel like Adazio is a prime candidate to be the next defensive line assistant super assistant to the D-line president's coach's sister's elder at Alabama any day now. And then, and he can hide at Alabama, much like as a Long John Silver's GM, you can hide in the corner of Taco Bell and not really get in anybody's way. And, uh, you know, just stay out of the way, mind your own business. And clearly he can't do it on his own, just like Long John's can't do it on their own anymore around the United States. So because of that, Steve Adazio, Long John Silvers, Alabama assistant coach, 2023. That's my prediction. I love it. I love the fact that he's going in the Nick Saban cage. And I love, I just laugh before you even explained it. Long John Silver, just (laughs) the name alone, like Long John Silver. That's a dude right there. (laughs) <laughs> that Long John Silver is a dude. And that's, God, thank you, Tom. I left that out. Uh, it's in the name of the restaurant. What's better than this? Dudes frying fish. I mean, it's really that simple. So, uh, <laughs> God, uh, God, I love this segment. <laughs> You never know where it's going to go. You just never know. You weren't expecting Long John Silvers this week. We finally found our our niche as a podcast and uh, our the fact that we never prepare or discuss the show before we start recording. We found a way to make that work by doing segments where the surprise of it is half the fun. <laughs> oh, it keeps it loose and fun. I'll tell you what's going to be loose and fun, Tom, and that's Tuscaloosa, Alabama this Saturday when LSU rolls into town because there is 0% chance of a win for LSU. This is still a – okay, this is the definition of a Nick Saban-Shang-Sung game, and we've talked about this for years on the program for any new listeners. Shang-Sung for Mortal Kombat takes your soul and inherits your power. Coach O is a lame duck coach leaving at the end of the year. He is literally walking into Tuscaloosa to sacrifice himself in front of Saban. He might actually go over to the sideline and get down on his knees and just put his hands in the air before the game and said, keep it under 100. LSU didn't have enough practice, enough players to practice last week, which sounds like a team that quit. Uh, They got players in the transfer portal everywhere. 
They have another player um, uh, out um, this week on their defense. It sounds like they're down. Their, their top four corners will all be out this week. Not good. Um, Alabama, 66 to 10 sounds about right in this game. Lay the 28 and a half. Run to the bank. Take out all your money. Throw it in the sports book. There's a lot of really, really excellent wagers this week. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'm more excited about these spreads this week than about anything else we've done all year. But, uh, Ryan, what do you have to add for this fucking disaster of a game that's about to go down? By the way, it's a night game in Alabama. Oh, my God. We're going to get absolutely killed. Yeah, that's the key is the night game part. I mean, God, there's no way you can take LSU – 28 and a half is a lot, a lot of points. What's that Alabama team total? Uh, Butch, can you look that up for me? Uh, but I think it's about 48, 48, 49 and a half. Oh yeah. They got, they got at least 55 on them. So 55, 20 sounds good to me, which is actually going to look closer than it really is. But 55, 20 uh, roll tide. Tom Z. I mean, what can I add that hasn't been said already? I think um, to bring it back to Mortal Kombat, um, Orgeron is already in the like the days, the finish him days. So he's just sort of standing there shaking back and forth. And uh, all Saban has to do is basically walk over and, you know, do back, back, forward punch or what, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So it's over before it even began. And also, I'd like to mention that the Heisman race is completely wide open. And if Bryce Young wants to go out there and throw seven touchdowns this week against an LSU defense that doesn't give a fuck on national TV, can put him back potentially in the number one spot. Hard to say, but uh, I would not wager against Alabama or their offense this week. It's going to be a bloodbath. All right, uh, Tom, now talking to a different type of game. Going back to the Big Ten, Iowa travels to Northwestern. Iowa laying 12, coming off two fucking terrible performances in a row. But Northwestern is unbelievably bad. Can you lay the 12 with Iowa this week on the road? Yes. Northwestern's really bad. You nailed it. I mean, this is not going to be a pretty game, and Iowa's not the same team they were when they were ranked fourth or third. Um, but this is, this is just a layup for them to bounce back, to get a huge win, to dominate a in-division opponent, to keep their chances alive at winning the big 10 West and facing Ohio state or Michigan state in the title game. I mean, it doesn't get easier than this. If they can't cover this, then they might as well just go home for the rest of the season. I agree, Tom makes total sense. All right. We're going out West pack 12 time, baby. Number four, fraudulently ranked Oregon, travels on the road to Washington. Oregon laying seven against that powerhouse Washington four and four squad. Uh, look, all of us have liked Oregon over the past 20 years of our life. We've played with them in we're actually 25, 30 years of our life. We played with them in video games in the 90s. Post, we liked when they had 94. various. Yeah. 1995 been, had, is when I began liking them. Correct. They've always had cool players, ton of awesome quarterbacks, um, super fun. And Chip Kelly came in, made him like really great, made him a national power, made a national title game. You know, think of all the different quarterbacks over the years, you know, Mariota, Mazzoli, Darren Thomas, um, Dennis Dixon, you know, just an awesome team. Achilles Smith, baby. Clearly. Achilles Smith, Herbert. All the running backs, all the wide receivers. And this Oregon team fucking sucks. And they are the most boring, lame Oregon team I've seen in years. And somehow they're ranked number four. I have no doubt in my mind that Oregon will find a way to lose a game over the next month. I just don't know if Washington's capable of doing it. I don't think they are. But you can see that Vegas has no faith in them if you're only laying seven points to that pathetic Washington team. Um, I have no pick on this game. I just want to rant on Oregon and Anthony Brown basically for a little while. Do you guys have anything to add to that? Ryan, you go first. I mean, not really. I don't, I don't trust Oregon, but seven points is 
against this terrible Washington offense is not a lot. I'm not worried about a backdoor by any means. Uh, so for me, it's, it's kind of an unwatchable lay for me. I would yeah. like in a, a future podcast this season, you know, maybe next week or a few weeks from now, if we could rank the Oregon quarterbacks from the last 20 ish years from, from coolest to least cool or best to worst, there however so you want to do it. Okay. Like a yeah. history of Oregon QBs. Hold on. Let me look at Oregon's schedule and tell you which week we're going to do this. All right. They're home against Washington state next week. No. Okay. Week after that at Utah. Two right. weeks from, from from this weekend, we'll do it that week. We got homework to do, uh, and we'll look at the coolest Oregon quarterback since '95. All right. First, though, right now we got another of our beloved segments we got to talk about. Um, my quick take on the game before we do that is that I think Oregon gets an ugly win, and I, I don't think Washington is good enough, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, I'm looking at like a 27-13 type win. So uh, I'm going to take the under as my favorite bet of this game. I think it's ugly and I don't think um, Washington can score very much and contribute to a 50 and a half point over under. So give me an under. Washington is in really bad shape this year. Washington State, we know the program is in a mess due to uh, events that everybody knows about and we've talked about in past weeks. So our famous segment now three weeks running is the council of elders. We pick a team that needs some help. We choose a council of elders from that city or in this case, a state. And we try to think of some, a group of people that maybe could help uh, provide some moral support or some wisdom and turn the program around. Miami was our first one. You notice they're on a win streak after we picked that we did one for Texas we did one for Pittsburgh. Maybe that was premature. They need that now after the loss. But this week, we're going to the state of Washington, and we're going to do two schools at once. Both UW and Washington State need some help. So, Dan and Ryan, who would be our Council of Elders for the state of Washington? It's All a right. tough one because it's a, lot, it's a lot of choices, a lot of people. Dan, do we want to go like draft style? You want to pick your, your first pick? You can start it off. I'm still brainstorming here for a second. All right. Well, to start it off, we'll go with the obvious one. In order to fix a program, you need lots and lots of money. And for that, we're going to go with Mr. Microchip, Bill Gates. He's number one on the Council of Elders. Good call. Fair enough. Okay, well, if you need lots and lots of money, then you need lots and lots of ass. So I'm going to take Sir Mix-a-Lot to be number two put him in there first he's on my list good for you nice first you get the money then you get the women (laughs) then you get the (laughs) okay so for me the next one we need we do need an athlete and there's a lot of choices I know it's probably you should go with a football person but I'm not gonna go with a football person Wait, yes, I am. And a basketball person. That's right. Nasty Nate Robinson. You get the pick on the Council of Elders. Five foot eight. Won an NBA dunk contest. You played football and basketball at Washington. Because you are a two sport, you get to get on the list over quarterbacks Ryan Leaf and Mark Brunel. I was really hoping for Leaf. All right, Dan, next pick. Uh, I need to confirm real quick with this person. Okay, yep, got it. Fourth pick, musician, Mark Lanigan. We need Mark Lanigan on the list. He is singer-songwriter from Screaming Trees, Queens of the Stone Age, solo act, drinks a lot of whiskey, and uh, just like overall a very mysterious character. And I think we need him on the panel. He'll bring some mystique to the team that could help them with, you know, play calling. Great. All right, Ryan, round it out. This is really, really hard to narrow it down to just five for the whole state. 
there were some options. I, I, I thought about maybe Jamal Crawford. My boy Jay Crossover seems to be the most popular and the most obsessed with the state of Washington athletics, promoting Washington. I thought about Macklemore. He's in there. But I think Sir Mix-a-Lot is the better artist, even better than Washington alum Kenny G. However, I'm going to go with the person who I think, despite having Bill Gates on the list, I think there's someone who might be smarter. And if you're going to be smarter than Bill Gates, then you deserve to be on the elders. And that is Ken Jennings, the winningest player in Jeopardy history. Also, sneaky, sneaky, funny dude, especially on social media. So I like Ken Jennings. He gets in over Dwight from The Office for me because I don't watch The Office. I know that's probably more popular, but I've never seen an episode. So I'm going with Ken Jennings. Dwight from The Office is not exactly the guy you want to turn around the team. Like if we were trying to sabotage the team, that'd be the pick. So we got Bill Gates, Sir Mix-a-Lot, Nasty Nate Robinson. Mark Lanigan. Mark Lanigan. That's the one. And... Why am I blanking again? Ken Jennings. Ken Jennings. Ken it's very late on the East Coast. I'm losing it. All right. That's a good, that's a smart, rich, successful crew. And uh, with them, let's see if Washington or Washington State can turn it around and win the North. All right, Dan, what else we got on the slate before we wrap it up? We got two more games to talk about tonight. The first is the UT Horns traveling to Iowa State. Iowa State seems to be coming back around. After a rocky start, Iowa State laying six and a half. Texas has lost three games in a row. They've lost three games this year by a total of nine points. Iowa State minus six and a half, total of 60. Uh, You know, it's not good for Sarkeesian when you have a three-game losing streak and Tom Herman never lost three games in a row. So a little bit of heat there. Plus the odd story this week that the Texas assistant coach's um, wife's monkey uh, did you hear about this? So well, you say wife, but I think what you mean is his stripper girlfriend's monkey. Same thing. Yeah. Fair enough. His stripper girlfriend's monkey bit a child, I believe on Halloween. So yes, correct. Just when you think your job of a head coach is hard enough and you're facing three straight losses, you got a, you got a monkey attacking children from a stripper. That's something you don't, you know, seeing the job duty sometime when you sign up for a job. That's when it, um, when it says other duties as assigned. That's that what that literally means. is what that means to a fucking T. Uh, I'm just going to take the over 60 last game against, um, or the last weekend's game for the Longhorns. They like went up and down the field and then fucked it up in the red zone. Um, I feel like this is a high scoring game and Iowa state uh, rips through the Texas defense. Ryan, what you think? Yeah, I was really surprised by that over-under, you know, especially coming off – I mean, Iowa State scored 31 last week in a loss um, at West Virginia. You know, as bad as West Virginia has played this year, to go into Morgantown and drop 31 is, is, you know, pretty good. So they get to go back home against that that defense. Yeah, I think that over is the play. Um. Um, I, I got nothing, but before you get to your last game, let me just, you know, uh, tie up a couple loose ends. I got three quick picks and then a question for Ryan. Um, well, you know what, what's your last game? Cause maybe I'm just going to cover one. You're already getting to. That'll be USC at Arizona state. You want to go first? Right, yeah. Go yeah. I, I, I want you guys to close out with the big West coast game. So let me get some East coast games that, uh, I think are just really quick ones. Clemson um, minus four against Louisville. Clemson is uh, one and seven, I believe, against the spread this year. They really got lucky last week, as we talked about. And uh, I think they just, you know, come back down to normal. They're going to Louisville. I'll take four with Louisville. I think they win outright or cover close. Um, Despite all the shit we talked about, Florida, they played the really bad South Carolina team who's been really bad this season. And I will lay 18 with Florida at South Carolina based solely on the weakness. No, Dan says no. 
I don't trust Florida at all. And they just played Georgia and got physically smacked around. Be careful with that one, but okay. go right ahead. All right. Well, that's my least uh, compelling of the three. The other one is a uh, Michigan minus 20 at home against Indiana. We talked about this many times, but Indiana just can't win against um, good teams. And Michigan's looking for a, to sort of like, I guess what you'd call an a, re- a revenge game after losing to the big brother, Michigan state. So they're going to come into that one mad. So I like Michigan minus the 20. And uh, my quick question for Ryan before we move on is about uh, TCU. Who do you want to be the next coach of TCU? And is there anything you'd like to say about the beloved Mr. Gary Patterson? I love, I mean, Gary Patterson was a favorite of take the points. Um, when I started putting him on the tarmac last season, it was, it was pretty surprising. I think to some people, it was surprising but, to me. I was like, what's he doing there? He's not a tarmac quality candidate. He's not, I have a lot of respect for him, but you know, sometimes you just, the expectations in certain spots, even though it's not TC is not a powerhouse, they got a taste of being top five, top 10 program. And they're in Texas and they're expected to compete. So, you know, the same reason that Dan Mullen's going to be on the tarmac real, real soon. He's not a bad coach, but there's expectations and you're not meeting them. So like Patterson, I think he kind of lost control uh, at the end there. So I think he'll bounce back. I don't know where he'll go next. That's going to be really interesting to me. He's been rumored uh, for like six different schools already. Yeah, who I'd like to see come in and take over. He's already in the state of Texas. He's already a beloved college figure. And that would be Kellen Moore of the Dallas Cowboys. Now, will Jerry Jones let his boy go? Because when when Jerry gets attached to a coordinator, like he did with Jason Garrett, he made sure to pay him plenty to keep him around letting him know that he will be the head guy. So Jer Bear's got a lot of money. We'll see if uh if he doesn't pay up and, and give Kellen Moore a, a pretty sizable chunk of change, then then I would think he would probably interview for TCU. And I think he'd be great. I think he'd be great there. Uh, I he'd be my favorite and I know he reached out so there's some interest. Um but we'll talk about that in the weeks to come. Dan Let's talk about Herm Edwards and bring it home for the night. USC at Arizona State, this line opened to 10 points. Then it was announced that USC's best wide receiver, maybe the best wide receiver in the country, Drake Landon's out for the year. Then the line dropped to eight and a half. Arizona State laid the biggest egg of the entire season last week, home against Washington State. They had turnovers on their first three drives, five turnovers in all, turned the ball over twice in a three-play span in the first quarter. And I would like to attribute this to the rare noon Arizona State start time. Let me explain something here. Noon at Arizona State is the equivalent of about 6 a.m. at a normal college campus. There is nobody around Arizona State's campus at noon. I went hiking at Papago Park, which is about four miles away from campus on Saturday morning at 1030. Leaving Papago Park, I get on the highway and I drive by like the highway where the Arizona State exit is. No traffic, zero. Nobody going to the game at 1030 for a noon game. No one even knew the game was at noon. The players didn't know it was at noon. Herm didn't know it was noon. He thought it was eight o'clock at night, I'm pretty sure. And they were like, Herm, you got a game. He's like, what? It was a total fiasco. Nobody even knew the game happened. Arizona State played as bad as you possibly could in the first quarter. And I was sitting there going, this is all because no one knew this was a noon game. I'm totally convinced. So I like to point that out. That was a one. I've never seen a game. Like, I'm serious, Ryan. Like, we never see a noon game ever. It never happens. No, no. Herm was pissed. He had to move his tea time up to like 6.45 a.m. to make sure he had uh... – he could get 18 in before he made it to the stadium. I know. I'm pretty sure no one cared at all in the entire team. And Washington State thoroughly smoked them. Jaden Daniels is not a five-star quarterback. He's mediocre at best. Uh, Arizona State is no good. Herm is not going to be in Arizona State much longer. 
I, I would not be surprised to see him just out of nowhere be like, I'm resigning as head coach. It's been fun coming back to college, but I'm an old man. I just want to go back to TV, a.k.a. avoid all the sanctions and recruiting and bad press that's coming their way very soon. They thought they had a chance to uh, win the Pac-12 this year, go to the Rose Bowl, or maybe even a playoff as a pipe dream. That ain't happening. It's the same old Arizona bullshit. Might as well just have fucking Todd Graham as the head coach. No one would know the difference. Um, that all being said, the total of this game is 60 points. I don't see any reason for either team to play any defense whatsoever. Uh, over 60 is my pick. It's a night game again, by the way. It's, it's a 7.30 local start, 10.30 East Coast start. USC scores a bunch of points, and they have zero defense. They have no head coach. Arizona really doesn't have a head coach either, So, or Arizona State doesn't have a head coach. So um, just go ahead and bet the over and have fun on Saturday night. This will be a fun game. So if I'm hearing you correctly, we were talking about Spencer Rattler transferring to Tucson, but it sounds like he might be able to come right home to Scottsdale. It's possible. Very, very possible. He, uh, it, it's, 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 it, uh, Ryan can't happen. I've already stated this on take the points. Jaden Daniels mom is the one that buys these recruits from Florida plane tickets to visit ASU when uh, recruiting is supposed to be banned during the COVID times. So they can't bring in Spencer Rattler to replace Jaden Daniels because then his mom will rat them out. They have to keep him around. He's a Zach Mills front runner for two years from now. All right, fellas, uh, anything else you'd like to add? I've got some good stuff, but uh, I don't think we have time. I'm going to um, tease for next week that I have listened to the new, that's right, the new Limp Biscuit album, and I will have a review at some point this season. <laughs> Perfect. We forgot to talk about the number one college football story this week, and that is that Central Florida made a civil conflict reference. Oh, right. <laughs> it's not, the, I mean, uh, it, it's, it's hard to have a rivalry when one of the teams doesn't have a coach. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's no one to really aim the rivalry at or to stoke the fires. You know, Lou Spagnos or whatever the guy's name is, is not going to, like, get invested in this. I don't feel like, I'll just, I guess I will... I don't want to read the whole wiki page, which was our annual tradition where I would just read the Wikipedia page of the civil conflict. I recommend everyone go and just read the page because it's great. But my favorite moment, you guys can name your favorite moments of the civil conflict. Mine was when uh, UCF didn't really know it was a rivalry yet and they won and UConn presented them with a trophy in stores and they left it there on the field and just left and went home and didn't take the trophy with them. That was my favorite moment. What about you guys? It was the highlight. That was the number you can't one highlight. top that. No. Another good moment was the, not Edsel. Who's the guy before Edsel? The Notre Dame D coordinator. The, the, the very handsome guy who was the UConn um, coach. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Bob Diaco. That's the guy. Bob Diaco. Yeah, he, he, I think, was the one who said, uh, you know, UCF was like, we don't want to participate in that rival. And he said, well, they don't get to choose whether they're our rival or not. <laughs> I'm going off memory, so people, people might want to Google and confirm the uh, details of these story, but that pretty, I'm pretty positive that's how it happened. So good. It's so great good. to have it back. And the fact that UCF uh, posted this, they were always the ones who didn't want to get engaged. So that means that their program is, uh, slipped tremendously. The fact that they even want to engage with UConn on this. So good. So funny, man. Yeah. All right. Well, that's pretty much it. Looking forward to that Limp Bizkit review. Also is, is uh, spiritual machines two out yet or what? No, they released a couple of singles, but I believe the album's pushed back to like December or January, but it'll be out at some point and we will talk at length about Ray Kurzweil. Maybe that'll be like a bonus Christmas episode. Great. Looking forward to it. We're only a few years from the singularity, Dan. Get ready. You're going to have like a robot brain and I'll have like a mechanical arm or some shit. All right. Thanks. Thank you all for listening. Uh, a lot more coming up later in the season. Enjoy college football, and we'll see you next week. Long John Silver's fish, 
fish and more. You'll get two crispy fish fillets. And more. Fresh coleslaw, hush puppets, golden fries. Fish and more. A great catch at a great price. Who can ask for anything more? Long John Silver's fish and more, more, more. It's better than this. Guys, be 